What is going on? Every single per- beautiful person that's choosing to listen to this episode of the Phenomenal Fan Podcast, episode 44, 44, 44. Huge, huge episode today. College football, conference championship games are in the mix. NFL, week coming up on week four, 13 of the NFL. It's crunch time. It's go time. We're going to give you who we think should be in the college football playoff versus who's actually going to be in the college football playoff. We're going to give you our pretenders, our contenders, our best players, our worst players, everything else in between. Hopefully you guys enjoy this episode of the Phenomenal Fan Podcast live on YouTube and TikTok as we speak. So go check us out if you're watching live. If you haven't caught us live, go check it out. It's awesome. We try to go live every Monday or Tuesday to discuss the past weekend sporting events. So hopefully you guys enjoy this episode 44, and let's just get straight into the action. All right, guys, episode 44. Here we are. We're back. We're ready to go. We're rolling. We're doling. We're trolling. Everything else in between, guys. Episode 44, man. Super excited because guess what? The regular season for college football playoff, or for college football in general, is over. It is over. It's conference championship time. Then after that, it's bowl season. And then after that, it's... College football playoff and national championship time. And we got to decide right here and right now who the four best teams are going into conference championship weekend. Here's how the conference championships look right now. On Friday night in the Pac-12 championship, Utah, number 14 Utah, is playing number 6 USC. On Saturday, number 12 Kansas State is playing number 4 TCU. Number five, LSU against number one, Georgia. UCF and Tulane in the American Athletic Championship. Purdue and Michigan in the Big Ten Championship. Clemson and North Carolina in the... Those games, those... ...to change. They are going to change. Because here's what happened this past week. In case you are... You have no access to technology or the internet and you live under a rock at the bottom of the ocean... Uh, it was rivalry week, final week of their college football regular season. You got your games like Florida State and Florida, Ole Miss and Mississippi State, Auburn, Alabama, Baylor, Texas, Michigan, Ohio State, so on and so on and so on. And there was some big losses in the top 10, huge losses, okay? Uh, on Saturday, here's how the top four teams handled their business. Georgia beat Georgia Tech 37-14. TCU beat Iowa State, number four TCU, 62-14. to And the number three and number two teams matched up, LSU and Ohio, um, Michigan. Number three, Michigan, number two, Ohio State. Number three, Michigan destroyed Ohio State, okay? Ohio State was the number two ranking coming into this weekend. Michigan was number three. Georgia was number one and has been for most of the year. TCU has been at four for a couple weeks, and they handled business. So... 
Ohio State loses. Not just loses, but they lose bad to Michigan. Really bad. They get their brakes beat off. So what does that mean? Well, they're going to drop out of the top four. For sure. They're not going to be at two. They're not going to be at three. They're not going to be at four. Presumably, and what it should be, in my opinion, Georgia's one, Michigan's two, TCU's three. Now, who slides up to number four? Well, you're thinking LSU. LSU comes in at number five coming into the week last week. Well, LSU takes on Texas A&M at College Station. Kyle Field, they lay an egg against Texas A&M. They lose 38-23. LSU now has three regular season losses. They are still 6-2 and two in the SEC, which means they, because they beat Alabama head-to-head, they're still going to be taking on Georgia next week in the SEC championship. LSU has three losses. There's absolutely 0% chance that a three-loss team gets into the college football playoff. It doesn't happen, okay? They're also going to probably slide from five. I, I'm guessing they're probably going to drop to 9, 10, 11, somewhere in there, okay? Well, then who's after LSU at five? USC at number six. USC has one loss. USC played a number 15-ranked Notre Dame this weekend and beat them 38-27. It was a pretty resounding win. The score was only 11 points, but it was a little bit more than that. So LSU's going to drop. They're not a bad team. I don't mind LSU. We got somebody here in the TikTok chat. Brody Hover's asking what I think about LSU. They were good coming into the weekend. They beat Alabama. They have some quality wins, but they also have some pretty bad losses. And that loss yesterday to Texas A&M was a a tough, tough loss for them. They had a small sliver of hope. Small sliver. Okay? Because they had an opportunity at a two-loss team to take on a number one team in Georgia and beat them and then give people the the thought process like, holy shit, LSU has two losses, but they just won the SEC. They've beat Alabama. They beat Georgia. Like, they are – they should be a top-four team. But they lose the third game to to Texas A&M. They're toast. They're done. USC at five, at six is going to go not just up to five, they're going to go up to four. So the top four teams, as it should come out, are going to be Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and USC. All right? Basically, no matter what, because those top three teams are undefeated, I would presume that even if one of those or two or three of those top, if they all lose, I think they're all completely safe to get into the top four. I think Georgia, if even if they lose somehow to LSU, they're still going to get into the top four. Even if Michigan loses to Purdue, I still think they're going to get in the top four. Even if TCU loses to Kansas State, I still think they get into the top four. Because that would all be a first loss for all those teams. Now, USC already has a loss. Okay? They are playing Utah in the Pac-12 championship this weekend on Friday night. The question is, on behalf of the College Football Playoff Committee, who is going to come in the rankings at 5 and 6? Because if it's Alabama at 5 and Ohio State at 6, that means if USC loses in the Pac-12 championship, they will be a two-loss team with no conference championship. The same as Alabama. So the at that point, if USC loses, you got to decide between a two-loss Alabama team and a one-loss Ohio State team. Additionally, I mean, if USC, if all if those top four teams win, then of course they're all in, and there's nothing you got to worry about. They're all in, right? 
Here's the issue that the committee has put themselves in, okay? Limiting the college football playoff to four teams is just about the dumbest thing possible. Now, I understand that it's something you have to do when you first get this thing started. You can't just open up a tournament, a bracket, with 12 teams or even eight teams. But in all honesty, if we're being honest with ourselves, we all know that Alabama would beat TCU. We all know that. Now, that's no disrespect to TCU. They've had an incredible year. They're a great football team, and they may or may not be a top-four team in the country. But realistically speaking, if TCU played the same schedule as Alabama, they probably would finish a year with five, four or five losses. And that's fine. So the top four, presuming that they all win this upcoming weekend, is going to be Georgia, Michigan, TCU, USC. Possibly USC loses, then maybe you slide in Ohio State, maybe you slide in Alabama, so be it, right? That's who the top four are going to be. Here's who the top four should be. Should be Georgia, should be Michigan. Hmm. Should be Alabama, and it should be Ohio State. That's what it should be. I have a bit of a bias, but if we're being as honest as we can, Alabama is the second best team in the SEC this year. Especially when you look at a school like Tennessee. Yeah, they had a great year. Yeah, they scored a ton of points, but Hendon Hooker isn't healthy, so you look at that team and you can't tell me they're better than Alabama. And if they played Alabama right now, they would get killed. So the top four, what the top four is going to be is Georgia, Michigan, TCU, USC. What the top four should be is Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama. And we have these arguments. We all go back and forth, and everybody talks about, oh, man, like, what are we doing? Top four, TCU's undefeated. My argument is, they. De- okay, let, let me preface with this as well. Just because the top four that should be are not the top four that are going to be doesn't mean that TCU doesn't deserve to be in the top four. TCU has gone undefeated. They have five top 25 wins. They have one of the hardest schedules in college football in the Big 12, and they handled business and went 12-0. And if they finish the year 13-0 with a Big 12 championship, they absolutely deserve to be in the college football playoff. That doesn't mean they're a top four team in the country. That's the difference that people have to get through their heads. So, the good news is, all of this will be alleviated in a couple of years from now when they expand the college football playoff to 12 teams. Because then you will have a scenario where TCU, even if they do lose in the Big 12 championship, they'll drop down to, what, like eight, seven or eight? Like, let's just say for argument's sake. But at one point or another, TCU will have to essentially play Alabama. Right? Alabama will come in as like a nine seed or an eight seed. And if they match up, then you will find out who the real teams are. That's what the beauty of the 12-team playoff is, and that's why they're going to do it. I mean, A, the 12-team playoff is designed for money, and B, it's going to show who the real teams are and who some of the phonies are, if we're being honest. Every year you see a Pac-12, I should say, 
every time we've seen a Pac-12 team get in to the college football playoff, they've gotten spanked. Absolutely spanked. It's never been close. The only exception is Oregon with Marcus Mariota, and they did not win the national championship. The rest of them, absolutely spanked. Oregon happened to them once other... uh, It happened to Oregon. It happened to Washington. And I personally think it's going to happen... Well, I don't know. I think USC is actually decent. But I don't think they're as good as people are hyping them up. So the biggest mistake that the college football playoff committee and the NCAA did in general was starting a college football playoff and only making it four teams. That's literally just adding on two teams from the BCS system of just two teams that they had already. You just add two teams. If you really want to get everybody involved and give people an opportunity to have an upset or get the smaller market teams involved, you got to start it at 12. Luckily, we're going to get 12 here in a few years. But it's going to keep all the fan bases engaged, even if some of those smaller teams do lose. And they were like, oh, my chances are done. I can't get in the college football playoff. No, you still can, TCU, if you lose one game or two games. You can get it at 12. You can get it at 10. And then just run the table. And on top of it, it'll eliminate this haggling, this bullshit that always goes on every single year. No, we're better. No, we're better. We're undefeated. Well, we only have one loss, but it's to a really good team. Eliminated. 12-team playoff. Should have started that way. And thank God it's going that way because this 14 playoff drives me insane. Drives me insane. It's bananas. Makes absolutely zero sense. So, the top four is going to be Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and USC. And I don't think they don't deserve it. I think they do all deserve it because they've all played to the schedules that they've been given, and they've all played really well. I think the some of the only questions would be, like, does Michigan deserve to be at number one when they beat two top ten teams in Ohio State and Penn State earlier in the year, and Michigan killed both of them? Georgia hasn't played a ton of really great competition, but they've pretty much dominated the entire year, giving up like two touchdowns a game max. Or does USC jump everybody and go to three? I mean, like, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. But all four of the teams that are going to be in the college football playoff deserve to be there. That being said, just because the top four teams deserve to be there doesn't mean they are the top four teams in the country if that makes any sense. So we'll see. Super exciting. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a thriller. It's going to be everything we've ever dreamed of. Okay? In the chat, we got Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams at Oklahoma went 11-2 last year. Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams at USC 11-1. Correct. Uh, Okay. I think the point there is that the Big 12 and the Big 10 and the Pac-12 are the same. I think the Big 12 is harder than the Pac-12. If I had to rank difficulty in conferences, I would go SEC at one, Big 10 at two, 
Big 12 at three, Pac-12 at four, ACC at five. I think that's fair. I think that's a fair estimate. I think that makes a lot of sense. If you're going to go through and rank the college football playoff conferences and how difficult they are, SEC has to be one. Everyone sits around, oh, SEC bias, oh, the committee, and this and that. The SEC is the best conference. It's, like, not even close. It's not close. Georgia, Alabama, Ole Miss, LSU, Tennessee, South Carolina just got back-to-back top 10 wins. It's a great conference, and it's the hardest. Not even a question. Number two is the Big Ten. Michigan, Ohio State, Iowa is always really solid. It's a very respectable conference. Number three is the Big 12. Okay? TCU, Baylor, Texas, Oklahoma, it's good, but all those all those teams typically just kind of glide around the middle of the pack. This year, TCU is having an unbelievable year, and they're in the top four. But the Big 12 is the third hardest conference. The fourth hardest is the Pac-12, and everyone can sit there and freak out and vomit and do whatever they want to do. It's a fact. Every year in the Pac-12... Like I said, every year that the Pac-12 has been in the college football playoff, they've gotten spanked. And you look through their teams, USC, pretty solid. Up until this year, they were horrible. Literally worthless. Oregon's solid-ish. Utah is okay-ish. And then the rest of the conference is like literal trash. So they're getting carried right now by about two to three teams. Right, you could even say Washington in some cases. They have gotten to the playoff. You could say Washington, but meh, it's not great. And then the worst is the ACC. The ACC is bad. It's really bad. Clemson, eh, the rest literally stinks. The rest of them are literally, literally horrible. So SEC, Big Ten, Big 12, Pac-12, ACC. In that order. Easy. Done and done. Moving on. All right? Moving on. NFL. Takeaways from the week. Takeaways from week 12 in the NFL. And let's just say, oh, like past halfway through the season. This is what I've pulled from the NFL so far this year. The Bills are good, but how good are the Bills? Right? Look at their schedule. They lose to the Jets. They lose to the Vikings. They lose to uh, the Dolphins early in the year. Well, let's say they lose to the Jets, they lose to the Vikings, they beat the Browns by one touchdown, and they beat the Lions by three points. That's how their last four games have gone. Are the Bills actually that good? I don't think they're as good as they got hyped up to be, and that's mostly on me. I was one of the people absolutely just steering the Buffalo Bills train this year. I thought they had an opportunity to be one of the greatest football teams 
in history. But they got hit with some injuries. They ran into some, you know, tough circumstances, which happens throughout the season. And don't get me wrong, they still only had they're still eight and three. I mean, they they're still a very good team. But they're four and two away, and and they're gonna have to go through Kansas City. Can they get through Kansas City to get to the Super Bowl? Right now, the way it looks and the way Patrick Mahomes is playing, I say no. And I'm sorry, Bills fans. I hope it changes because I really like Josh Allen and what they got going over there in Buffalo. But I don't think the Bills are going to get to a Super Bowl again this year. Another one to point out. Tom Brady has to retire after this year. Tom Brady should have retired two years ago. How does a guy go to another team to prove his legacy, to show everybody that he is as good as people thought he was? It's not just all Belichick and the Patriots scheme and their defense. He goes to Tampa Bay. He wins a Super Bowl at his home stadium at 41 years old. How do you not go out on top? How does he not retire? Because now, I don't know how much damage it's actually doing to his legacy, right? Because he comes back last year. He comes back last year. He plays a really good season. He gets in the playoffs, and he just kind of comes up short to the eventual Super Bowl champions. This year, dude, they're 5-6 and six through 11 games. They probably find a way into the postseason, but they're not going to win the Super Bowl this year. Absolutely, they're not going to win the Super Bowl. And everyone's going to say, well, he's a fucking dinosaur anyway, so it's not really, like, damaging his legacy. But to me, it's like, dude, why? Why did you even have to come back? I know there's certain people in the world, Kobe, Derek Jeter, Tom Brady, they're, like, psychotic, and they're so hyper-competitive that they just, like, are addicted to competing and winning. I totally get it. But at some point, dude, you got to know when to hang it up. Now it's costing him his personal life with his wife, damaging his kids. He's not going to be around him for the holidays again. It's like, dude, just hang it up, Tom. Just hang it up, man. Bucks aren't good. That's the takeaway. Tom Brady is washed. He's done. Um, Another takeaway. Let's see. Another takeaway. The Ravens prove yet again that they aren't quite on the championship level that a lot of people hold them up to be. They're just not. Lamar's a really good quarterback, but for some reason, the guy had one amazing year, won the MVP, and people treated him all of a sudden and continued to defend him like he's a top-five quarterback in the league. He's not a top-five quarterback in the league. He makes some sensational throws. Do not get me wrong. But Lamar and the Ravens are what they have been, and they are who we thought they were. They are a playoff-caliber team who's going to show up, potentially host a home playoff game, and not get past the second round. will never find themselves in a conference championship game unless a magical stroke of luck hits them right at the right time. Another takeaway from the NFL season. The Rams are toast. The Rams 
The 2022 Rams are the age-old question that everybody asks about their favorite sport teams. Would you trade one championship for 10, 15, 20 years, whatever, of just misery? Now, I'm not saying the Rams are completely going down the toilet, but or uh, l- let me finish the let me finish the age-old question. Would you champ- Would you trade and go all in for one championship, and then have 10, 15 years of no playoff appearances, or would you have five, six, seven, eight straight playoff appearances but no championships? What happened with the Rams last year is they like sold everything to get to the Super Bowl, and Cooper Cup absolutely just blossomed into this superstar. Matt Stafford played his tail off. They acquire Von Miller. They acquire Odell Beckham Jr. They trade all their draft picks away, and they win the Super Bowl. Hats off. You did it. You won the Super Bowl. Now, Stafford's hurt. Cooper Cup's hurt. Von Miller's gone. Odell Beckham's gone. Next thing you know, the Rams are looking at a 3-8 and eight record. Not just for this year. But they don't have any draft picks. Like, none. And there's a salary cap in the NFL. Now, this year, it's probably not a direct indication how the Rams are going to be next year and the year after. I think next year and the year after, they'll still be relatively competitive and hunting for playoff spots. But they are not looking good in the foreseeable future. They're not. If I'm a Rams fan... I don't feel good about what's going on. But you got your championship. So give and take. Give and take. Another takeaway is... Hmm, let's see. Let's see. I would say... Don't overreact to Mike White with the Jets. Actually, 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 let me let me start with let me let me let me start with this. The Commanders beat the Falcons in 1913. Taylor Heineke is a winner. The guy's won his entire life. And not at high levels. He's had to battle. I personally, if I knew my team had the same record going into, let's say, the first game of the playoffs, they're 9-8, and eight, right? And I had to pick a quarterback, a guy like Taylor Heineke, who's probably not the most talented, not the biggest, not the strongest, doesn't have the biggest arm, or a guy like Zach Wilson, who's got all the talent, but it's been coddled and handed the world and told you're the best, you're the best. I'm taking Heineke all day, every single day. I'm taking Taylor Heineke over a guy like Zach Wilson all day. Heineke just wins. And the guys want to play not just with him, but for him. Zach Wilson gets asked, he gets, Zach Wilson gets asked, hey, you, you put up three points in the entire game. Don't you think you let down your defense? He goes, mm, nah. Uh, I'm on defense. <laughs> I don't want to play for that guy. Taylor Heineke's a gangster. 
What do I think about the Saints? I'm being asked in TikTok. I think the Saints need a quarterback. And Jameis Winston is not even going to be the answer for that. I think the Saints need to get a like legit quarterback, end up with C.J. Stroud or Will Levis, one of those guys, and they may find themselves hunting for a playoff spot as soon as next year. But the Saints, eh, they're not going to get anything done this year, obviously. They're 4-8. and eight. They're 4-8. and eight. I got no problem with the Saints. I think they're a well-run organization. Um, but they just didn't really have the juice this year. It is what it is. They're not going to have the juice every single year. Doesn't mean they're in a bad spot. They're lined up to get some picks. If they, honestly, this year, they should just fucking tank out and try to get a top 10 pick. Why not? Uh... The last takeaway... I would say, and I think the the moment for me in the NFL that stood out the most this weekend was Broncos defensive player coming off the field during their game against the Panthers and just like literally screaming in Russell Wilson's face, screaming in his face. Who knows what was said? Who knows what Russ said? Who knows what the court, the defensive player said? But the perspective I look at it as is, and I, I listen. I understand it's frustration. I know the Broncos haven't scored any points. They're three and eight. It's frustrating, especially when you're on defense. You're like, dude, holy shit, we what? We we can't give up any points. Otherwise, we're gonna lose. But what stands out to me is, I don't think Russell Wilson gets nearly the respect overall from his teammates that maybe it it was a it was presumed that he got. I don't think it's complete panic mode for the Broncos. I don't think the Broncos are toast. I don't think the Broncos are ruined forever. But let's be honest. Let's be honest, all right? The Broncos were never set up for success this season. They were never set up for success. Brand new rookie head coach and pretty much an entirely new coaching staff. Brand new quarterback who's only played in a system that has had or seen success because of the success that that system had in the run game in Seattle with Marshawn Lynch and Pete Carroll who loves to run the rock. That doesn't mean Russell Wilson didn't have good numbers. He wasn't a good player. But the Broncos were never going to have success. Who did they have? Well, they were weaponed out, right? Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, these guys. Let's see. Jerry Judy, like a second-year, third-year guy, has done nothing but been injured and underperformed with really bad quarterbacks. Cortland Sutton, same thing. Bad quarterbacks. There's no looseness. There's no creativity in the offense when I watch their games. There's nobody in motion. There's no opportunity for them to swing a screen pass. There's no guys running across the middle breaking away from coverage. As opposed to the other team that I last team I wanted to talk about. Well, and hold on, let me finish the thought on the Broncos. 
So when you see a video of the defensive player coming off the field and screaming in his face, I do think it's disturbing, but I don't think Russell Wilson's the type of guy that's going to scream back at him. So people making a lot of that video, I don't think it's the end of the world. I guarantee you those two have already talked it out and everything's fine. But at the end of the day, Russell Wilson may not necessarily demand or get as much of the respect that some of these other quarterbacks already get that are maybe even younger than him. So I don't think it's panic mode for the Broncos quite yet, but holy cow, it is not looking good for Denver. It's not looking good for Denver at all. The last thing here on the NFL, all right, I know I know the 49ers only scored 13, okay? The 49ers at 7-4 and four have a better chance of making it to the Super Bowl than the Eagles who are 10-1. and one. If the NFC Championship is 49ers and Eagles, the 49ers will beat them. Absolutely will beat them. I think the 49ers are a top three team in the NFL, and their record may not indicate that. But they just shut out the Saints, and if I watch them play football, they have an accurate quarterback with a good arm who knows what he's doing and knows who to get the ball to, a top three running back in the NFL, a top five wide receiver in the NFL, a top three tight end in the NFL, a top three defense. Tell me that's not a recipe for a Super Bowl appearance this year. Tell me. The Eagles are a great football team. But their defense has had a really hard time this year Stopping the run, not giving up a ton of points. Luckily, the Eagles have a lot of explosive athletes. Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, Miles Sanders, etc. But when we get to the NFC Championship and it's 49ers-Eagles and the 49ers win, people go, what an upset. Holy cow, can you believe it? Or when the Eagles are favored by nine or eight points and the 49ers just beat them straight up, I won't be surprised at all. I won't be shocked even a little bit. I won't. I think the 49ers are too legit to quit. That's the old throwback there. Too legit to quit. 49ers are good, man. Holy cow. And that was that's what I was talking about with like their their uh their whole deal with like the Broncos. Like the Broncos play calling is just disgustingly bad. Disgustingly bad. And they're toast. So um, in other news, to wrap it up for this episode, college basketball, it's gotten started. There's been some absolutely barn burning games. It's been awesome to watch. You know, you got, uh, number 18, Alabama taking down number one, UNC in four overtimes on Sunday night. Uh, Duke losing to 24, uh, number eight, Duke losing to number 24, Purdue. By 19 points. Number eight, Duke's got two losses already. Number six, Gonzaga's got two losses already. Number one, UNC's got two losses already. Hey, man. I'm just saying. Look out. The NBA, we don't talk much about the NBA. The NBA is boring as all hell. 
Uh, but it's good to see some some of the teams that are universally hated towards the bottom. Right now, it's the Celtics and the Celtics in the top of the Eastern Conference, the Suns at the top of the Western Conference. If that was the NBA Finals, I actually might be intrigued or interested to watch. Uh, but it probably won't because half the teams in the NBA literally don't try during the regular season and just hope to get into the postseason in some capacity. And then uh, next thing you know, the number eight seed is in the Conference Finals because it's the Brooklyn Nets with Kyrie and Kevin Durant. So, don't make much of the NBA regular season. It literally means almost nothing. Golden State's 11-10. and 10. I mean, there you go. Golden State, if the Golden State gets in the postseason, they will win. They will win. Probably the whole thing again. Like, everybody, it's similar to the, it's similar to the MLB, but that's why I have a hard time watching the NBA regular season. I actually, I don't, I don't like kind of like, I have an incredibly hard time watching any games in the NBA regular season because the NBA regular season means almost nothing. It means just enough for the teams to have just enough wins to get into the tournament and then they just win the whole thing. Like I said, if Golden State gets into the tournament as the number 10 seed and they have to do the play in tournament and then they barely get through that, well, they have Steph, Clay, Draymond, Jordan Poole. And all of a sudden, they're in the Western Conference Finals. And potentially the NBA Finals. And they're beating teams like the Grizzlies, the Nuggets. They beat the Suns. And you're like, what? They just took down the top three seeds. How did they do it? Because the regular season doesn't mean anything. And the records don't mean shit. So, if you have an NBA team that you're rooting for, and they have a really good record, that's good. But, I wouldn't look at their overall record. I would look at... Uh, I would look at how they did against other good teams. But even then, in the regular season, the effort level for everybody in our regular season games, for the most part, unless it's a ridiculously high-pressure, prime-time game at you know Madison Square Garden, or I don't even know. Besides that, typically the effort is honestly at about 75 to 80% of what it is in the postseason. So, similar to lots of other sports, the regular season doesn't hold a ton of weight. So I have an incredibly hard time watching NBA regular season basketball. That may just be me, and that doesn't mean I hate the NBA, but it is what it is. Otherwise, appreciate you guys tuning in. Appreciate it. Episode 44, what a, uh, 44, what a doozy. What a doozy. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for watching live if you did. Shout out to those of you who interacted in the chat. If you haven't caught an episode of the Phenomenal Fan Podcast live, do it on YouTube. Going to be trying to be regular with it every single Monday. If we can get a second episode every week, I'm assuming it'll be on Thursdays. To preview the weekend coming up. But Mondays are a good day to review the entirety of the weekend. And recap what's gone on. So, thank you guys for tuning in. On TikTok, on YouTube, live, and listening afterwards on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube as well. Appreciate you guys on episode 44. We'll catch you guys on episode 45.
five of the Phenomenal Fan Podcast. Adios. Thanks for listening to the Phenomenal Fan Podcast. Want more? Follow us on social media and subscribe to Patreon for exclusive content.